sound like a legend, doesn't it? Honestly, you know what? When God's on you, you look better than what you actually are. But I've learned the same. If God's not on you, you look worse than what you actually are. Well, I'm excited. We, I, I want to... Um, I'm so, first of all, I want to thank you for coming to this session. I'm always amazed that people show up. I, like, I wake up and I go, I wonder how many people are going to be there. Who wants to hear this message? And clearly something about this, this title, this message and going into seasons is resonating with you. And so I love that you're here and I'm excited to get in. So we're going to get started. Are you ready? Have you acclimated to my accent yet? Do I, need, do I need to slow down or am I okay? All right, let's just pray. Father, I thank you for these women. Lord, there's, Lord, you read everyone's life like no one else could read it. You know us better than we know ourselves. And Lord, I just ask right now, Holy Spirit, that you would illuminate, that you would shine your light, that you would just take this word and sow it deep within the hearts of these women here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, my husband and I, like we said, we, like, like was mentioned, we've been in ministry for nearly 30 years and I'm, uh, I've got three kids and I've got, actually, no, I've got five kids because I've got my son-in-law, I've got my daughter-in-law, and I've got two grandbabies. I've got, and they live in Australia, and we became American citizens this year. I know, I'm an American. I'm an American. I've now got to work on my accent to convince everyone that I am. Um, but we've got two grandbabies. We've got Winter, who is six years old, and Lola. And my son-in-law is Samoan, so I've got like little Moanas, little Moana grandchildren. Anyway, so my husband and I, we were missionaries in Uganda. We worked, um, God sovereignly took us there. But, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that uh, soon. But my husband and I have had the privilege to mentor um, many ministries, many individuals over the years. And the word says that you and I are called to run a race in such a way that we obtain the prize. Now, over the years of mentoring leaders, of mentoring ministries, I'm stunned at how many people think they're actually running a genuine race for God but in actual fact, only on a treadmill. See, a race and a treadmill feel identical. When you hop on a treadmill, your heart rate is going. It simulates a genuine race. And you can push that button and you can go harder and your heart rate can be pounding and you can have all the motion of running a genuine race. But in actual fact, you're going nowhere. See, one thing I've learned who you are and what you carry has never been more necessary or more needed in the kingdom of God than it is right now. But I have learned if the enemy can't steal your salvation, he will come after your purpose and get you running on a treadmill. 
And so today I'm here. My whole purpose today is to get you off the treadmill and recognize what a genuine race is. So, so the thing about a race and a treadmill, like I said, they feel identical. The only thing is, and the only way that you can tell that you're on a treadmill is that your scenery never changes. So if you've been a Christian for years and years and years and nothing's changing in your life and you're serving and you're doing the things that you do, but literally nothing is changing, then there's a good chance that you are on a treadmill. And probably the most sinister thing about being on a treadmill is that because a treadmill is indoors and because it's insulated, it is least likely to recognize when seasons change. You're not impacted by seasons. You don't feel the effect of a season because there's an insulation around you. And so Today, we're going to talk about seasons because I believe the kingdom of God is in a very critical time in the kingdom. And we are living in a unique time. And like I said, who was at the Esther banquet the other day? You know, I want to encourage you. um, We're living in a unique time and the landscape of this kingdom is changing dramatically. And it's so important to have an understanding of what God's doing in this hour. It's no longer business as usual. And the truth is, listen, I want to say something. Heaven's not afraid. God did not take a coffee break and COVID happened. All the angels aren't sitting up there surrounded by the television watching CNN, Fox News and listening to Tucker and going, oh my gosh, what's happened? We left them for five minutes and everything's gone to hell in a handbasket. Can I just say, the enemy thought he won by crucifying Jesus. But can I say, that was the point. God is the master chess player in life. He knows all the moves. And can I just say, there is no enemy that can outwit and outsmart God. And so God is up to something in this hour. God's up to something very, very unique. And you know what the crazy thing is? What he's up to includes you. You know, the word says in Acts 17, 26, it says, From one man, Adam, he made every man, woman, every race of humanity. He spread us all over the earth. He set boundaries of people and nations determining their appointed times in his story. So when God looked at you, When God was choosing, okay, what time, what decade he was going to place you in, God has intentionally, he put you together. Do you know there is absolute, look to your sister, either side. There is no one like you. You are so unique. There has never, ever, ever in the history of the whole world been anyone that carries your DNA your personality, your looks, your gifting, your talent. And God knew what, what, at what point in his story that he was going to need you to be here. And so God chose you to be here at this time. You're a part of what he's doing. 
You're not just held to ransom by the circumstances around you. You have a role to play. It says, it goes on to say, he has done this. So why did he put us here? He has done this so that every person would long for God, feel their way to him, find him, for he is a God who is easy to discover. It is through him that we live and function and have our identity. And he commands, I remember in the commentary it says, he commands the separation of seasons and sets the lifespan of every person. So God created time. God was the creator of time. He created time and he put you and I inside of time. Yet God himself lives outside of time. So God knows your beginning, your middle and your end. So why wouldn't you trust him? He knows exactly. So Ecclesiastes 3.1 says in the Amplified, to everything there is a season and a time for every matter or purpose under heaven. Everything in life is subject to seasons and timing that God has ordained. This includes you. This includes your call. This includes ministry. This includes the church that you belong in is subject to seasons and times that God has ordained. Now, that also includes this nation. This nation at the moment and the season that we are in is not just some random season. It is a season that God has ordained. God has ordained the season that we are in right now. And God ordained you to be here at this time in his story. You could have been born 200 years ago. Who's grateful you weren't? I would have been dismal. I would have been dismal 200 years ago. They worked really hard in the fields doing potatoes and, you know, it would have been just digging. I don't know. I would have been just dismal. God knew I would be dismal. But you could have been born 10 years from now. But God chose you to be at the age you are living at this time. Now, I want to break this down. And we and so we've gone from we're in a season Oh, in the nations in a in a unique season, but for you to understand what God's doing, it's critical because there's some principles of seasons, and I'm going to take it right now. We're going to get we're going to pan right out of that bird's eye view of what's happening around the world, what's happening around the nation, and I want to come in really close and focus on you as an individual to understand the season and to get off a treadmill. Okay, so I'm going to give you some teaching. So just as your natural man, you know, the natural man, who you are, when you are born as a little baby, you have to go through seasons of development. So when you're born as an infant, you start out as a little tiny baby and you go through seasons from baby, toddler, child, teen, adult. It's exactly the same when you're born again. So 
you know, the thing is, though, God put this into place. God, a lot of things in the spiritual mirror the natural. God's not that complicated. We've made him complicated. But just like when you become born again, you have to go through seasons. When you are born, you go through seasons. When you become born again, you go through seasons. Your spiritual life is exactly the same. Your spirit man, the hidden man, the part of you that is that God connection, the part of you that no one else sees but you and God. You have to go through seasons as well. God puts us through seasons. Now, just like your natural man has gifts and that need to be developed. So, you know, you might have gifts with some, you might be naturally musical or you might be have an aptitude for sports or art. Unless you develop that gift, it's going to lay dormant, isn't it? So if you have a gift of music and you love music and you have a natural inclination to music, unless you take that gift and you begin to develop it and you begin to steward it and you learn how to play music, you learn how to play instruments, it's that gift is going to lay dormant. It's not going to do anything. It's exactly the same with the spiritual gifts over your life. There's not one person here in the room that God has not given natural gifts and spiritual gifts. So your natural man has natural gifts, but your spirit man, when you become born again, you get spiritual gifts. And unless you develop them, not unless your pastor develops them, unless you personally Take a hold of those gifts and learn and study and practice and steward those spiritual gifts. They will lay dormant. So 1 Timothy 4.14 says, Do not neglect the gifts that are within you, that special inward endowment, which was directly imparted to you by the Holy Spirit, by prophetic utterance when the elders laid their hands on you. It says in verse 15, Practice and cultivate and meditate upon these duties and throw yourself wholly into them as if it was your ministry. So that your progress may be evident to all. Now that is a word for some of you right there. Some of you have been sitting on spiritual gifts and you know what they are. Some of you sitting on the prophetic, healing, word of knowledge, all different gifts. And they are dormant. You know they're there and you just think, okay, when God is ready, He'll use me and I'll get a special anointing. No. Can I just say, you have to steward it. The Bible says, practice. Oh, but I don't get an opportunity in church. Practice on your neighbor. Practice at the shopping center. Practice, practice, practice. You've got permission from God to practice. Practice. Do you realize that everything about God is learnt on the job? Everything about walking with God is learnt on the job. 
It says, practice, cultivate, meditate upon these duties. Now, I have the gift of leadership over my life. And when I was a kid, my mum, I remember my mum was telling me one time, she says, she looked out the window and she saw me um, marching up and down the street with all the neighbourhood kids all behind me. And they were just, I don't know what I was doing. I just got them in two straight lines and we were just marching up and down. We were like a marching band. And I was only little, but I managed to rally them all up. And they were all marching up and down. We weren't going anywhere. We just marched up and down the road all day. See, I had a, I was born, I had a leadership gift over my life. And God was intentional. He put that there. I'm, I'm, I, I was, I'm, I'm the oldest in my family. And then I have a brother. I was his leader. I was his boss. I was his boss. No childhood is complete until you've been disciplined by your siblings. And I, I did that very well. I was very good at it. Anyway, I remember when God decided to give me my first opportunity to lead. This is my first. So you're going to look at me and go, how did she get started? What was her first? How did she get this big moment? Remember, the pastor came to me and he recognized, okay, she has a leadership gift over her life. Let's give her a go. And he says to me, Tan, I, I want you to start a connect group. Well, I'm thinking, like, I, I'm amazed. I'm like, yes, I, I'm going to start the best flipping connect group this church has ever seen. So I start going around that church and poaching everyone else's connect group people. And I pitched my connect group like the, with the intensity of a conference speaker and everyone wanted in. I'm like, come to my connect group. It's going to be brilliant. We're going to have the best time. And so when my connect group started, I had 90 people show up at my connect group. And everyone was pumped to be there. The only problem is, once I got them there, I didn't know what to do with them. Because I had no spiritual maturity. So what I had to do is I had to turn it into a street performing connect group. Because honestly, that was the, that was the depth of my spirituality. I couldn't do anything else than, uh, than perform and do drama. Because you can't take people in God where you haven't been yourself. So I could develop gifting. We can develop gifting, but still not have maturity. Just like it is in the natural, you can have an incredible gifted actor or actress with no maturity whatsoever. They're out partying. They're actually ruining their lives. When you hear them open their mouth, it's like, what? You can have incredibly gifted sportsmen and women that are just incredibly, like the, they could be Olympic gold medalists, but their personal life, they're just immature and just silly. Did you know that it's exactly the same with your spirit, man? You can have spiritual gifts and they can be incredible. They can be powerful. Who was here last year when I spoke? Yes, so you know what I'm talking about when I talked about when God anoints a hypocrite. You can have people that are incredibly gifted but just not got it together personally, no maturity. Um, but the thing is, though, I look back at my time when I was being a connect group leader. God wasn't annoyed that I didn't know what to do with them. 
He was okay. He was okay with me having a go. He was like, no, 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 no. You know, if I gave my son a bike to ride and I said to my son, Gabe, you can't ride that bike until you've got a PhD in riding a bike. How foolish would that be? That would just be foolish. And it's the same with the gifts that are over your life. You must realize that everything is learned on the job with God. And God will put you in seasons where you think you're all that in a bag of chips and have no maturity. But God is giving you a go because he's giving you an opportunity to actually experience what it feels like. So anyone can develop gifting. But spiritual maturity is something completely different. So how does God develop maturity? Now, so Ruby, can you grab my Bible? My, it's in my bag. How does God develop spiritual maturity in us? Because spiritual maturity is something completely different to developing your gifts. So have we got that? Your gifting is up to you. It's not up to the pastor. It's not up to you. And then your gift, when you develop your gifting, your gift will make way for you. But if you're not doing anything with it, you ain't going to get a phone call and say, hey, we need you for this. So your gift will make way for you. Your gifting is up to you to steward. But maturity is something completely different. God puts us into seasons. This is how he develops maturity in us. Just like your natural man has to go through seasons to build maturity, he puts your spirit man into seasons that are designed to build maturity in you. And these seasons, what they do is they create history with God, build wisdom and understanding, faith, anointing, authority, and depth. So God puts us into seasons, and I'm going to call them, I, I, I don't want to get complicated. I think we can complicate the gospel. Like It's like 101 principles to put into place before we even get out the door. Sometimes I just want to, I'm just going to, listen, I, I want to speak to you like how I wanted when I was younger. God puts us into two seasons, really simple. Now you see God, now you don't. The two seasons that we're going to talk about today is now you see God and now you don't. And the reason I want to speak about this is because we're in a season where a lot of us aren't seeing what God's doing. And so I want to break down the purpose of the season and what actually is going on. So throughout your walk with God, so when now you see him season is when it's like, it's one of the most exciting seasons. It's like you're experiencing God. You're getting, you're, you're being seen by him. You're having a go. You're running a connect group. You do, you're stepping out in faith and God is meeting you and he's, and he's blessing you. And you know, he, there's, he's faithful. You're busy. There's growth. You feel like, oh my gosh, I'm 
growing. I'm getting into the Word. Everything's going great. Everything's like summer. It's your needs are getting met. There's promotions and there's opportunities and your prayers are getting answered and you're feeling seen by God and you feel really close to God. So that's a now you see him moment. But then you've got the now you don't. And the now you don't season, you could be feeling like completely unseen. You can't feel anything. You feel like your prayers are like, God, where, where are you? Where are you, God? You feel unseen by other leaders. You know, you could be standing in a lineup and you could, they could say, listen, I'm looking for a redhead with a New Zealand accent who's wearing red glasses and a black velvet suit and you are there. There's no one else. Everyone's dressed in white but you and they still won't see you. And you're like, oh, you are completely unseen and hidden. And you just, you just literally go, it's just, it is one of the most painful and bewildering times. And I want to encourage you about what's going on. The interesting thing is both seasons are 100% normal and what actually is supposed to happen. So when you don't see God, it's not Christian time out and you've ruined it and you've blown it with God and now he's not talking to you. It's not Christian time out. These two seasons are exactly what God is wanting to do. He's intentional about it. And now you see God as God giving you a turn. I was having a turn. When I was leading that connect group, God was giving me a turn. I was in a now you see God moment. Now, the interesting thing about when you're in a now you see God what that did in me is it highlighted all my strengths. It highlighted that, oh man, I have a gift of leadership over my life. But also what it does is it highlights your weaknesses. And now you see God will highlight your strengths. But then it also highlights what you're not good at. Have you ever been asked to do something and you're in a now you see God and you realize you haven't got all the goods to pull it off? And see, that's what happened to me. I was a connect group leader, but it didn't take me long to realize, yeah, I might be a great leader. I've got, a, I've got an incredible gift to lead, but I can't take anyone. I've got no depth. There's nothing here. But God needed me to see that, to have an appetite, to go deeper. He needed to give me a little taste of my call. She goes, is this what you, this is how I've wired you. And I loved it, but I realized, oh, I've got to work on the back end. So it illuminates your greatest strengths and weaknesses. It's easy to have faith and be exuberant when you can see what God's doing in your life. When God's opening doors and answering prayers and you're walking in the promises, most of us do brilliant in this season. We are like God's number one student. We're like his biggest fan. We're like, this is awesome. In fact, you can get frustrated with people that aren't in this season. You can get incredible. You can, you can turn around. You can think, what is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? God's so good. The prayers are getting answered. What is wrong with you that you're not feeling that? And you're thinking to yourself, oh, yeah, it's good for you. You who are getting all your prayers answered and all your wildest dreams coming true.
You know, God rescued the Israelites out of a now you see God moment, didn't he? God rescued the Israelites with signs and wonders. Can I just grab my Bible? Is it in there? My Bible should be in there. Just have a look. Oh, it's not. Okay, I'm going to have to. We're going to have to. It's all good. Okay. Um, God rescued the Israelites out of signs and wonders, didn't he? He afflicted plagues on on the Egyptians. He parted the Red Sea. There was a pillar of fire and manna, like God just laid it on. Like he was just throwing it all out there. The interesting thing is the children of Israel were ecstatic and genuinely loved God, providing they were in a now you see God. They were awesome. They were God's number one fans. They were singing songs and they were dancing and they were cheering. And that pretty much has been the history of Israel, hasn't it? It's providing they can see what God's doing, then I'm all good. We're all good. But when the signs wore off, so did their walk with God. So the moment they went into a now you don't see God, their walk with God wore off. And it was like, yeah, you know what? This isn't doing it for me. It was good. And so when they went through a period of time when Moses was up in the mountain seeking God and they couldn't see God, what did they do? They built golden calves. They built a golden calf. And this is the temptation when you're in a not when you don't see what God's doing in and you're in that season of hiddenness, their temptation is to start building something and manufacturing something to fill that void or fill something in. And so that's exactly what they did. So when they couldn't see God, they took matters into their own hands and they relied on their own understanding and their own form of what they believed was going on. They took their own resources and they turned away from God to do their own thing. I've learned that there's so many Christians that are really God's biggest fans But the moment they can't see God, yeah, I don't think I'll go to church this week. Ah, uh, yeah, no, it's not. It, 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 look, it was good for a season, but it's not where I'm at right now. You know, the Israelites were God's biggest fans and you can be God's biggest fans. You can go to Hobby Lobby and you can get all your signs and you can plaster your walls with all your Hobby Lobby signs because that's what fans do. They collect memorabilia, but God was never looking for fans. So what did God have to do for the Israelites when they couldn't see Him? What did he do? He pitched his tabernacle, his tent, right in the middle of their campground so they could all see him. He went, okay, guys, I'm going to 
plant myself right here I am in the middle of you, right smack bang in the middle of all the tents facing him so they could see him. And then they were okay. It appeased them. And then what he did is he had a cloud by day that that rested over there and a pillar of fire by night. And when God wanted to move them, what he would do is he would lift the cloud and they'd all go, oh, we can see God and we've got a bit of activity. He's moving us. And then they'd pack up their tents and they'd follow the cloud. And then the cloud would settle down and then they'd pack all their tents around to swatch. And then what the cloud would do is the cloud would just fill the temple or to fill the tabernacle. So why not signs and wonders all the time? Like, wouldn't this make it so much easier? Like, seriously, I, I, like, oh God, why not signs and wonders all the time? I mean, he wants us to follow him, doesn't he? Like, isn't that the point? God, the point is that you want us to follow you. So why not just signs and wonders all the time? This would make my life so much easier if I just woke up every morning. I had an angel there who said, okay, Tan, this is what's going to happen today. And this is going to happen. I'd be like a ninja. I'd be like this. I'd be coming out like, yeah. Why wouldn't God do that? I mean, he's, he's, the thing with God is you've got to realize God's natural is the supernatural. God's natural is the supernatural. So why not signs and wonders all the time? Because then we'd be all really good. We'd all be first-class students. We'd all get A's. God doesn't, see, the thing is, though, the the Israelites had the signs and wonders. They believed in God. They believed in his existence. But God doesn't want you just to believe in his existence. The devil knows he exists. He greatly desires to have a genuine relationship with you. When my, I've got, I've got three babies. One of my babies, when she was little, you know, uh, James Dobson says, every, everyone, every family gets one, God has to share them around. And so I had this sick, my baby when she was six months old, she was super needy. She was like, you know that baby that will not let you out of the room? You know, she's six months old and I've got her in a bouncer and I literally have to rotate her around the house with me while I make beds and do all my housework. So she's coming with me wherever I go. I put her down and I'm, hey, 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 hey. And I remember putting her down in the lounge one time, trying to put a load of washing on. And what I would do is I realized I had about 15 minutes before she'd realize I wasn't in the room and then she would freak out. So what I would do is I would time it and I would run into the lounge, swoop around her like a seagull on a French fry and stun her and I'd go hey and it would stun her and she was like was that mum I think it was mum and it would give me a few more moments you know sometimes that's what God does with us when we can't see him He'll swoop on you like a seagull on a French fry and suddenly out of the blue, you get this moment of going, was that God? Oh, I think it was God. I love God. (laughs) You know, God understands that when we're new and walking with Him and when you were just new walking with Him, But there'd be something wrong in my child's development 
if she reached the age of five and was still freaking out every time she couldn't see me. I want to be clear. There is something wrong in your spiritual development. If every time you can't see what God is doing in your life, you are freaking out because you can't see Him. Nothing exposes your foundations in life and walk with God when you can't see what He's doing. Let me say that again. Nothing exposes our foundations and war life and walk with God when you can't see what God is doing. So we are living in a time at the moment, aren't we? Where it's like everyone's foundations are getting exposed. For the first time, we're seeing foundations of leaders. I'm stunned to see the veil being pulled back and we're seeing leaders that were, you never would have thought in a million years a pro-abortion. You're seeing the foundations of politicians being exposed. It's like everything has been exposed. God is exposing the foundations. And your perception of who God is in this hour will profoundly impact your life and call more than anything else. If you're not convinced that you are absolutely safe in the hands of a fully competent, all-knowing, ever-present God, I'm getting back to your personal life now. Titles and privileges that came with the previous season gone. It's like a winter. You feel unseen. No sign of the call or the dream over your life. Whole life paired back to the basics and you're left searching for answers. Years ago, God called my husband and I to go live in Uganda, Africa. And for us to take our family and our kids, we were there while there was still war going on. Just It was just still in northern Uganda. We had to be led by a pillar of fire and a cloud by day to get there. Goodbye day to get there. Who would, I mean, you don't just pick up your little ones and you take them to a developing nation and you put yourself in a war scene unless you have a pillar of fire and a cloud by day. And that's exactly what God did to us. He led us to Uganda in a manifestation season. There was prophetic words. It was like everywhere we turned, there was confirmation, 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 confirmation. And it was like Hansel and Gretel. You know, when you get the crumbs and you get on the scent of God and you start following God and Matt and I and our kids, our little chickens, we're bringing them with us. We all, God moves us to Uganda. But when we got there, it was like God dropped us off. Have you ever been called out by God to do something and you know that God has had His hand on you and you've been led by the pillar of fire, there's been signs and you step into it and there's suddenly no sign of Him. And to make matters worse, our first week we had someone killed outside our gate. And four weeks later, we had seven... Uh, 20 rounds of a semi-automatic machine gun go off at one in the morning. And I remember my husband and I crying, going, oh my gosh, why, what, what is God doing? Why has He brought us here? You know, there's one thing to ruin your life. There's another thing to ruin your kids' lives. 
And I remember Matt and I were just stunned. It was like every giant in that nation personally came out to introduce themselves to us and let us know that we were now in their territory. And we couldn't feel God. And I remember just praying and rebuking the devil and shundari, andari, andari, and binding the And I remember saying to Matt, oh my gosh, the principalities over this nation are really strong. I remember before we left for this, I remember feeling like an absolute legend before we left for Uganda. But we hadn't even done anything. But I remember wanting to do a victory lap on my last day of church going, yeah, we're off. We're doing this. Like it was such a different picture when we got there. No sign of him confused. It was like the demonic blocking here. It felt like God had left to do other things. And maybe you feel like that in your life. You feel like, you know, God's left me to do other things. There's something about being in a big conference with women. Can I just say, I just want to put some of you at ease here. I've been in many conferences where everyone's getting miraculously touched by God and I'm feeling nothing. Everyone's having a massive encounter with God and I'm literally like, it's like God skipped me and gone to my neighbor. And I'm like, and I'm feeling it and I'm going, God, what is wrong? And so we felt like that. But it didn't take long for Matt and I to realize what God was doing. And this is what he was doing. When I've got a big thing I want to download to our kids, what we do as parents is I would take my children into our room and we go into our bedroom and we close the door and we get all quiet. And we said to our kids, okay, kids, we want to talk to you. God's told us that we're moving to Africa. And we begin to break down what we're doing. And see, that's what loving parents is. And the word says, God lures us into the wilderness to talk tenderly to us. So the whole purpose of hiddenness is to get some download. And so what God did with us is he said to us, okay, when Matt and I finally, because there was so much noise, there was so much clamor. Can I just say there is so much noise in the kingdom at the moment. I've not been on Instagram for eight years. I got on for a hot minute. I'm about, I feel like I'm about to delete it. I can't stand the noise. There's so much noise of everyone's opinions. It's just crazy. It's disgusting. It's dirty. But this is what God does. There was so much. He knew that we were, there was a sensory overload for us and he needed to get us quiet. And then he began to speak to us and he says, Matt, time. He said, this is what I want you to do. You're going to end up working with war crimes. I'm going to give you favor with the International Criminal Court. And you're going to pioneer a surgical program for victims of war crimes. And you're going to do facial reconstructions for kids that had their nose, lips, and ears cut off by the LRA. I'm going to cause you to pioneer some businesses. And so what God did in that time, when we got away with him, when we stopped taking, looking outward, and we got internally away with him and let us, him allure us into this hidden place, he began to download. See, God wasn't angry with us. He just wanted to speak tenderly to us. His love for us, he was calling us into a hidden, quiet place, away from the chaos and the noise. That's exactly what God did with Moses. See, when Moses finally turned aside, and there's something about when you go into a season of hiddenness, you will process your previous season. That's normal. What God does is he's about to pour fresh revelation on your life and he will not pour it out on fault lines. 
So what he wants you to do is he wants you to square away everything else. Because and so what happened is what happened, you had, Moses had forty years of dealing with his previous. It's up to you how quickly you want to get out of hiddenness. So this is what he did when Moses finally turned aside. God says, "Here I am, here I am, here I am." And then what began is intimacy and dialogue. And God began to download to Moses, Moses, yes, you have a call of a deliverer. And I'm going to do this. And I want you to do this. And then Pharaoh's going to do this. But you're going to do this. And then I'm going to do this. And so God began to download in this, with such supernatural download and anointing. In that place, God downloaded the blueprint of the next season of what was to come, of what the future was going to look like. And then he upgraded the anointing. There was a mantle of authority that this world and this previous season could not give Moses. There's a difference between positional authority and kingdom authority. See, Moses had positional authority, but he had no kingdom authority. But I want to say something. You can be in church and you can be a pastor and you can be a leader and you can have positional authority and you can, a lot of people want authority. It's normally with the, they want a title because it's normally with the entitlements that come with it. So you can have positional authority, yet no kingdom authority. Saul, King Saul in the Bible had positional authority but he lost his kingdom authority when he walked in direct rebellion to God. And God took that kingdom authority and gave it to David. So, and David had no positional authority. David was just David. But didn't David walk? He took out Goliath. Why? Because he had kingdom authority. Too many Christians today are seeking positional authority and not kingdom authority. <laughs> kingdom authority is the greatest authority you can have. The impact that God has prepared for you and I does not occur when we're pursuing impact. It occurs when you're pursuing God. Moses had positional authority, but he needed kingdom authority. Hiddenness is how God promotes us. How are we going for time? How long have I got? It's what? Okay. I'm about to get to the good stuff. Just hold on just a few more minutes. Hiddenness is how God promotes us. So if you're in hiddenness at the moment, good news you got an invitation for promotion. You are in, you have been invited by God for promotion. It's the only way God promotes you. Okay, so if you're in hiddenness at the moment, you are up for a promotion. You have been called. God has seen you and he's going, okay, I'm about to promote her. Okay, hiddenness is how God promotes us. First, you process a previous season. Like I said, he will not put revelation on you with fault lines. But in hiddenness is where your greatest revelations come from. You learn His ways. You learn about what's to come. It is an upgrade to your purpose. It's where He commissions you with power and authority and you have an ingenuine encounter with God. But it has to happen internally before it manifests externally. So whatever God's got for you has to happen in here first before it goes out there. But all seasons change. All seasons change. But hiddenness is like putting gas in the car. When you fill up a car with gas, 
Hiddenness season will profoundly impact your next season of manifestation. Hiddenness is like putting gas in the car and it will profoundly impact the quality of your next season. See, some of us tolerate hiddenness. For years, I just tolerated hiddenness and I gave God the silent treatment. But what it was, if you are not allowing your tank to be filled up, what happens is when you come out of hiddenness and you go now into a manifestation season, your tank is not full. How far down the road are you going to get before God has to put you into another season of hiddenness? Now, some of you have been in hiddenness for a long time, but that means there's a massive assignment coming up. Moses was in hiddenness for 40 years because of the assignment that was ahead. A lot of us are in hiddenness. I'm stunned at how many ministries have been pulled into hiddenness at the moment because I believe they're forerunners for what is about to take place. But you will not be a forerunner if you don't get a download. Moses, before hiddenness was not recognized, had no authority, poor attempt at his call, looked shocking, killed someone. But after hiddenness, after his download with the intimacy with God, he was appointed, commissioned with power, signs and wonders. He was a friend of God. And it was exactly the same with the disciples, wasn't it? The disciples walked with Jesus in a manifestation season. They walked with Jesus. Jesus was with them. So they saw Jesus every day. They walked with Jesus. They saw the miracles. They lived with Jesus in a manifestation season, but they were dumb. They couldn't get any of the things that Jesus was telling them. They didn't get a thing. They were like struggling. And Jesus was like, oh, it wasn't until Jesus went and Jesus said himself, oh, it's better that I go. Oh my gosh, it's going to be better that I go. What were they like as soon as Jesus left? They were completely different when they went into hiddenness. And Jesus, that manifestation was over. What happened? And God said, wait, wait in the upper room, wait for the Holy Spirit, wait for the download, wait for the empowerment. They came out, man, they came out completely different people. But sadly, because many of us do not understand hiddenness, we become spiritual storm chasers. Seeking a manifestation and a prophetic word and some move of God because we have not learned to hear from God for ourselves. Sometimes because we do not understand hiddenness, we become spiritual storm chasers. Oh, where's the big move of God happening? Oh, I think I'm going to go to Bethel Reading. Oh, Bill Johnson's over here. Oh, Heidi Baker. Come on, let's see what Heidi Baker's got. Or you want a prophetic word. You go to every prophetess or prophet or you can give me a word. I just need a word. I just need a word. Believe me, can I just say, if you can't hear from God for yourself, you've got no business prophesying over anyone else. No business. Like I said, too many people pursuing a call of God without a walk with God. And the problem is with that, you will stand before God and you need to give an account for it. And you run the risk of going, I never knew you. 
depressed, sad, downhearted, thinking it's an attack, angry, thinking it's the leader's fault, maybe putting out your spiritual resume to everyone, trying to get out ahead in this. Every time you meet someone, a leader, oh, I just want you to know, hey, listen, God's been doing this and ooh, and I did this in a previous season and that, trying to get a door to open. Man, do you know, do you know how I know this message? Because I've lived it. I've done everything I shouldn't do. I've handed out my spiritual resume. Sad, depressed, thinking it's the leader's fault. Oh, they don't recognize my gift. Frustrated, alone, and lonely. And see, then what we do is when we're in hiddenness, you have the temptation to chop down everyone else who's in manifestation season. Come on, women. Can I just say my biggest opposition in ministry has been other women? It's like we are not each other's champions, man. It's like, you know, if you're an orange tree and, and you're in a hidden season and you see another orange tree, oh, something within you wants to chop that down. They're in a different season. Can I just say there's two things that God has always said to me that has kept me on track. He says, and this is going to give you insight to who I am. He says, it's none of your business what I do with someone else. None of your business. And then he also says to me, so when you gave me your life, did you give it to me or not? Or did you only give it to me if you get to do what you want to do? That's a word for some of you right here. Some of you give God your life, but you only want, as providing you get to do what you want to do. That's the difference between a disciple and a fan. <clears throat> like I said, these are all signs of misunderstanding hiddenness. Hiddenness is putting gas in the car for the journey ahead. Many times I tolerated hiddenness, gave God the silent treatment, showed up at church on Sunday, barely been able to worship, feeling lost and bewildered. But when my season changed, and it will change, I had nothing to give. This is what stunts your maturity and your growth in God, not understanding the purpose of hiddenness. Jesus himself didn't go around saying, I am the son of God, just because they couldn't see it. I am the son of God. Why would you say that? That's not nice. I am the son of God. Jesus didn't go around saying, hey, this is my call. This is who I am. He was the son of God, whether they saw it or not. But Jesus himself knew the value of hiddenness. He sent himself there. He said, like I said, it's better that I go. Pentecost, you know how the children of Israel, Israel were led by a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day? What do you think Pentecost was? Pillar of fire shows up in the room and it splits into tongues of fire. And everyone now has their own personal pillar of fire to be led through life with. You have your own personal pillar of fire to be led through life with. You are living tabernacles. God doesn't want you just to follow His presence. He wants you to carry His presence. 
God doesn't want you to be like the Israelites that were spiritual storm chasers. Can I just say, today in the kingdom, we've got believers that are followers of ministries rather than followers of Christ. We've got followers of celebrity, Christian celebrity. Oh, I follow this Christian and I follow this Christian. No, you're called to be followers of Christ. God did not create you. You weren't supposed to. You were made in the image of God to image Him. Not to image Joyce Meyer, not to image Tan Cross, Lisa Brevere, Devin Wallace. God's greatest desire is to walk daily with you like He did with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. He has done everything to make that possible for us to get back. Children of Israel knew the acts of God. Moses knew the ways of God. Children of Israel knew the acts of God. Oh, he, God's done this and God's done that. But do you know the ways of God? Do you know how God works? A lot of us know more how the church operates than how God operates. So in closing, Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask, imagine or think, according to the power that works within us. There's a disclaimer there. God can do, able to do immeasurably more over your life, more than you could ever ask or think, but it has a disclaimer to it. According, Moses, I can do immeasurably more than you could even imagine, but it is according to the power that works within you. Maturity is not how long you've been saved. It is not about how much Bible you know. It's not your title or position in church. It's not even how much you love Him. Because you can be His biggest fan and have no intimacy. Recognizing seasons is critical in this hour to partner with God with what He is doing at this very time in this nation. And it's critical for you to be able to fulfill the purpose. We're currently living in a unique time in the kingdom. Now you can be fearful and you can be, ooh, or you can be really intrigued and go, God, you chose me to be here? Because here's the thing, here's the bottom line. God has chosen you to be here at this time in his story. I'd love you to stand as we close. I want to read the scripture that I'm going to pray for you. So Hebrews 10, 35, 39. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will, see, you will receive what is promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and not delay. But my righteous ones will live by faith. I take no pleasure in the ones that shrink back. But we do not belong to those that shrink back and have been destroyed, but to those that have faith and that are saved. Looking with the spiritual eyes of your, of, at the moment. Now listen, when you can't see God, this is how the eyes of your spirit get developed. 
Because the eyes of your spirit can only get developed in hiddenness when you can't see. You have to go deeper and say, God, what are you doing? Looking with the eyes of your spirit and recognizing seasons, like I said, is critical in your ability to partner with God. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for these women here, that you have chosen them to be here at this time in your story. And like Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart be enlightened, that you would know the hope in which you called in this glorious hour. So Holy Spirit, I pray, God, that you would illuminate, God, that you would speak to us, Jesus, that we would have an acute sensitivity, open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our hearts to respond to your promptings, Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.